When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Edson Arantes, Du Nascimento, otherwise known as Pele, sadly passed away on the 29th of December 2022. The following podcast is a tribute to the legacy of Pele. of the Waterbally podcast. Uh, my name's Gary and I'm as always joined by Ant. How are you doing Ant? You alright? Um, full of cold, full of flu but apart from that I'm fine. Yeah, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure you'll battle through for the sake of the pod though mate. But do our uh, best mate, we'll do, <laughs> do our best. Do our best, well I hope you're feeling uh, better soon anyway mate. Um, but yeah I mean obviously we spoke about this before we obviously have started recording and we're just going to do a little bit of a you know a tribute podcast obviously the you know the greatest of all time in, in Pellier you know an absolute legend of the sport and icons you know we really see, put the brickwork out for you know legends of today you know such as Messi for example um I mean it's, it's, it's obviously very sad that you know he, he's passed away but he, he had a fantastic career and didn't he really he did yeah um you just it goes to show when all the football world stands still you know you've lost a great you know I, I remember last year when Maradona died and it was it was kind of the same same kind of you know reaction where the whole the whole world just you know stood still and just admired how great that Maradona was and, and to be fair to Maradona he had his controversies as well um whereas Pele you kind of just he just seemed a you know a, a great player on the pitch and you know a, an ideal family man off the pitch and obviously he had seven kids um you know so you know this guy he's grew up in poverty you know he's i think he, i think they, they earned extra money by working in working him in a tea room um didn't know you know didn't have a, didn't have a football to kick around with when he was young so he was using like a, a little one made out of socks or fruit or whatever um and, and obviously honed his skills from there from then on um 
you know, you see that a lot with these, you know, South Americans, don't you, Gary, where they've come from nothing, you know, and, and Pele's the exception group in the grew up in the slums, you know, so, um, yeah, you know, he's had to make his way all the way up, and I think you get to see this, especially with the Brazilians, that give a lot back uh, to football and give a lot back to, you know, to, to the families and to the country as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I know we'll go into his, into his playing career and everything like that, but it's a, a sad, sad day and a, a kind that we'll never see again, and that's... I think that's what is sad that you know obviously we grew up in the the 90s 2000s era and we've got the Messi's and Ronaldo's you know the the argument of who's the goat out of them two and, and then but this all stems from the likes of Pele the likes of George Best the likes of Diego Maradona who's sadly now no longer with us it's, it's a very sad day for football yeah definitely I mean nicknamed Ore the king Pele um I mean I did some research, you know, before this podcast and, you know, his achievements like the I'd, I'd be on for about 15 minutes trying to, you know, list just his club achievements alone. Um, It's insane. You look at his record, you know, 700 appearances at a club level, 655 goals. That's almost a goal a game. Mm. Uh, that is an insane record. I mean, like. It's not a record I don't think we'll ever see broken again. I mean, you know, we've got the robot Erlen Haaland, but I mean, he's set that record and I don't ever see anyone having that standard of a record ever again in football, to be honest. No, and the, the, bother, the bother is as well that, obviously, um, I think Pelle retired at, at, at an age, you know, um, so he's still playing, you know, in his late 30s, wasn't he? So if, if, if Haaland... I just think it's a different game for Haaland to try and do that. Um, I, I, I agree with you. I don't think that'll, that'll be beat. Um, I know a lot of the Brazilians, because Romario did this as well when Romario retired, a lot of them include friendlies. Um, and his, his goal record actually stands up as 1,279 in 1,363 games, which is obviously, that includes friendlies. Um, but that, that, that's a Guinness World Record. I don't think we'll see that beaten in our lifetime, Gary, to be totally honest with you. I think that record's quite safe for when we're um, long gone, you know, so it's just a magnificent achievement, um, you know, and like I say, it's something what I don't think we'll ever see again. Yeah, totally agree with you. I mean, he made his debut for Santos at age 15, debut for Brazil at 16, uh, record 77 goals in 92 appearances for Brazil between, you know, 1957 and 1971. Um, just insane, actually, like, that that record actually exists. I mean, like, that, I mean, and that's another record in itself that's never, ever going to be broken. It's not, no, no, it's not. Sorry, I was just trying to get a cough out there, Gary. Um, okay. No, it's not. And you've got to, you've got to credit uh, in that World Cup, which is the 1958 World Cup, that um, Brazil's probably taken a chance in a 17 year old, you know. Um, and he was already um, injured going into the World Cup. He'd, he'd had a knee injury. Um, but apparently, all of his, all of his you know, fellow players said he must go. Um, so he never appeared actually in that World Cup until I think it was the third game uh, when I was reading back um, where he got an assist. Um, so that, and by, by that time, he was the youngest player ever to participate at the World Cup, which I think has been beaten since. Um, but then in the semi-final um, against France, 1958, he scores a hat-trick 
again become the youngest player to do that. So it's just record after record after record. You know, in the final, he becomes the youngest player to play in the World Cup final. Uh, um, so he also he also scores two goals in that final. So he's the youngest player ever to score in a World Cup final. You know, it's record after record after record. What this man did in his career was break records from an early age. Um, went on to to do that. Everything he touched turned to gold. No, oh, yeah, one hundred percent. Um, what what's interesting, obviously, about his career is that you know he spent nineteen seasons in the Brazilian league. Yes, you know, Man United, Juventus, Real Madrid all wanted to sign him, but ultimately they failed to. I mean, the the team that came the closest was Inter Milan, but because of a you know a fan revolt, um, Inter Milan were forced to tear up the contract so he could stay. And I think again, Valencia came very close. To, to sign on them two teams you probably wouldn't have expected um to really get a signature at that time but again you know the fan power in, in brazil and in santos was was enough to you know keep the legend that is pele in that <coughs> brazilian league for 19 seasons that's an that's an insane record that he never ever entered into europe to you know players trade yeah and i do think that's a shame um you know and i do think that that that's why you know, obviously the comparisons between him and Maradona uh, are valid because Maradona tried in Europe, you know, obviously had a successful career with Napoli, um, you know, changed them, you know, changed them from, you know, what they were, you know, also runs into a, a force. And I think that's the one kind of regret, really, of, of being a fan of Pele is not seeing him in Europe uh, to see what he could have done. Because um, I'm fairly sure he would have been absolutely awesome over here. I tell you what, we all say about Messi, isn't it? It'd be great to see Messi in, in England for just one, even if it's just one season where he, you know, signs his career off, just so we can we can actually do that comparison with him and Ronaldo. I mean, I think Messi's, you know, an all-round better player than Ronaldo, an all-round better person than Ronaldo. Uh, but that's by the by. Um, but yeah, that's probably the only thing where you're looking at thinking, you know, he, he probably could have come to Europe at some point, tried it, tried it with the best teams in Europe, or but it's up to them. He might have wanted to stay around with his family, um, you know, be be close to his family and everything like that. So um, that it is what it is. You don't, you can't make a player's mind up for them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, one one of the the big records that stands out as well in in his club form was uh, the fact that in 1958. Um, with Santos won the Campeonato Paulista, um, in other words, you know the Brazilian title, um, scoring a record fifty-eight goals. That record still stands today. And you know, in nineteen fifty-eight, you you know, he made his, his debut for for Brazil. Um, he was only like sixteen at this time, and scoring a record fifty-eight goals. That's just it's insanity, actual insanity. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and, and it just goes to show that, you know, every club he's went to, um, he's, you know, Santos or even, you know, obviously New York Cosmos where he was, he was at the end of his career, but you don't see that much now, do you, with, with the best players that they stay at one club for, for as long as what Pelé did at, at Santos, you know, he was pretty much a one a one club player um, up until, you know, the last couple of years where he went to, went to New York Cosmos and pardon me, he you know revolutionised the USA game, didn't he? You know, and still got you know, this is he's thirty five, he still gets thirty seven goals for New York Cosmos. It's just it's mad. Um and, you know, just looking at, you know, his his, his career there, um, 
when they said when he retired, uh, people said even the sky was cry, even the sky's crying because it started raining. Um, in the in the second half of that game, um, and he scored a thirty yard goal, you know. So that kind of um, I just uh, that kind of sums him up, doesn't it? And I think he was just well loved by everybody in the game. Um, but as you said, then you know, to, to to pretty much with one club have that record, which again, uh, those records just won't be beat. Um, you know, we're, we're talking about a one a one in a, one in a generation player, probably a one, an enigma in the game. Um, who will set records that won't be beat. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and obviously, you know, if you're looking down on, you know, the the future of Brazil to see, you know, if those records potentially can be broken. I mean, I, honestly, I really just don't see that happening. I mean, the 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 guy changed the game, one hundred percent changed the game. Um, I mean, in December twenty twenty, you know, Pele and Maradona, you know, they had to share the Player of the Century award, which was quite an interesting one. I think Maradona was more so the the internet darling, the internet favorite. Because you know, if 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 his style, Pele was a great humanitarian. I mean, the you know the shared player of the century award. Do you, do you think that's fair that Pele and Maradona had to share that award, or do you think one player deserves that award? Um, it, it's hard. It's hard, isn't it? Because obviously, um, where where we obviously were, you know, thirty six years. I mean, we we didn't get you know the chance to see. Pelé play, you know, he retired, you know, long before we were born. Um, and Maradona, even though he was in the latter stages of, of his career, I just remember, you know, 1994 World Cup, you know, looking into the camera after he scored, thinking, this guy's off his off his trolley, you know what I mean? But I always remember when I was like sort of seven or eight, loving Maradona. Um, and even, you know, even the hand of God and all this stuff, you know, that's what Maradona's just, but everyone seems to forget that. The other goal that he scored in that game, still one of the best goals that's ever been scored, you know, and, and everyone always goes back to that goal. Um, so for me, I think, I, I, I don't think I can split them. Um, and I don't think it's, I don't think it's there to be split. I think we'll always have, we'll always have these arguments that who was the best out of M2, who was the best of all time on M2, who was the best on Messi and Ronaldo. And you'll always have a difference of opinion. So, you know, I think for, for them to joint that, I think it's probably a fair, a fair tournament. But but it it just goes back to that the both come from nothing, both come from you know a South American you know lifestyle where they've had to work hard and had to you know own them own their skills by themselves basically, um, and then they've gone on to you know be you know like we're saying the the best players in the world that we've ever seen. Yeah, 100%. I mean, we're, we're always going to have that kind of conversation, I think, you know, forever, where you're going to have these two players who are always going to be, you know, two players who are compared as world-class. You know, we've got Pelé and we've got Maradona and we've got Ronaldo and we, we've got Messi and, you know, the, the future Haaland and Mbappé. Um, and just, just to, like, see what like, Pelé, you know, has done, one for the game and, you know, two for not just Brazil, but all over the world. I mean, you know, his, his, his donations to charity, you know, his Pelé Foundation, um, what he's done for the community of football. It's like, it, it's it's insane how much, you know, he's contributed to the game, even up until the age of 82, when sadly, mm-hmm. obviously, he's passed away. Yeah, and, and, and one thing you got to look at as well, um, that, that Pelé is still, and this is, a record that goes back now 52 years 
is still the only player to win the World Cup three times. Um, and this this is going back, you know, from when from when the World Cup started to you know to now, which our you know our most recent winners were France. And you look at Mbappe and can Mbappe win it another couple of times? Possibly. Um, you know, he's certainly you know on that trajectory, isn't he? But you look at Zinedine Zidane, who's who's won it, you know, but hasn't won it three times. You know, Messi, who's you know now won it for the first time in his career with 37. Ronaldo, who's only won it once, I believe. Um, and it's so hard to win that tournament. You know, you you don't see. I think I don't think the teams ever retained the World Cup. You know, France were obviously very unlucky, and the World Cup just gone. But no team retains it. It's always another another country. Um, so how hard it is to win it anywhere, and Pele still remains as the only player to win it three times. Just it just says it. It says it all. Like I say, it's been fifty two years since he last won the World Cup, and nobody's managed to to do that. So again, it shows again how good he was and how dominant that that Brazil side with Pele it was. I mean, we always look at that, the, the goals that they've scored, the Carlos Alberto goal, where they, I think all the outfield players touch the ball and he blasts it past the goalkeeper. It's a wonderful goal. And if anyone hasn't seen it, please dig it out. It's a wonderful goal. Pardon me. Um, and the only year where they didn't win it was, was in England in 1966, where obviously we won it. Um, and they got eliminated in the first round. Um, so, you know, even the greats have off days. Um, but I think um, I think he got kicked out of that tournament, didn't he? Um, by the Bulgarian and the Portuguese defenders. Um, they were putting some heavy challenges on him. I remember uh, watching a few videos back of, of the 66 World Cup and he did not get I mean, some of them tackles, it, they'd be banned for years now, Gary, honestly. <laughs> some horrendous tackles on him. Um, yeah, and, and obviously he... Uh, he ended up missing their final group game and, and you know, they went out, unfortunately, um, in that tournament, which I think was probably bad for the tournament, even though England went and won it. Um, probably bad for the tournament that, you know, the great Brazilian side would, would go out that early. But like I said, he's he's won it three times and it just goes to show as well how dominant, uh, <coughs> pardon me, <coughs> how dominant that that team was in those years where Pelé was, was leading the line for them. And uh, you know, leading the leading the nation in the in the battle. Um, and I kind of hope that 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 doesn't get get beat. You know, uh, even though I think Mbappe in France will, because the next generation of French players will be coming in, and Mbappe will be leading that. And Mbappe is still only young. Um, but I, I would like to see see it just being Pelé on on his own. To be honest, uh, as greedy as it sounds. Yeah, definitely. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today 
at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. So, obviously, moving on, you know, Pelé's career. So, you know, we've talked about Pelé's career for the last 20 minutes. But what I want to do is I kind of just want to take his style of play and the way he played the game, and that's just not factoring age or, or anything like that. And pick a team for me, Ant, who who were playing brilliant football in the world at the moment, who you were, you would have loved to have seen Pelé play with. Wow. Um, I mean, you can't really put them in City, can you? Even though they've got Haaland, or they've got Haaland, so... Um... Wow, that's a really, really good question. I would love to have seen. I would love to have seen him play with Messi, um, either at either at, either at Barcelona or you know if you put them in the PSG side together, him and Bappy and Messi sounds mouth watering, doesn't it? Um, which is probably being harsh. I mean that's the PSG side, um, but yeah. Or can you imagine him at Liverpool with Salah on one side, um, and you know Diaz when he's fit. On the other side, I think he'd probably score. He'd score more goals than Darwin Nunez has scored at the minute, that's for sure. Um, but there's loads of sides, mate. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd love to have seen at Man United, you know, the, you know, the biggest, who still are the biggest club in the world, you know, seeing Pelé there. I think brings brings back, you know, brings back that nostalgia sort of thing, doesn't it? Um, look at Real Madrid, you know, being a Galactico. Um, but to pick one, you know... Pick one side, and then I'll, I'll probably put them in PSG side. And I think they're they're probably scoring, winning every every game, probably ten or eleven nil. To be honest, so uh, I'll go with PSG. You know what? I would probably you know say the same thing because when you look at PSG's front line, you know you got Neymar and Mbappe, and you've got Messi. You chuck Pelé into the mix, and you drop Neymar into midfield. Like what do they like to do with Brazil? Like that front three with Neymar maybe in midfield would be actually unstoppable and you know his style of play versus Messi's style of play versus Mbappe's style of play it would just be <clears throat> insane to watch in this you know in this day and age you know the, the stuff that Pelé could do back in the 90 like back in 1950 1960 1970 you know the, the, the guy changed who were coming through today, you know, they would have learned a lot from his style of play. So yeah, I'm with you on that one. I would love to have seen him play in a PSG team, but I would have always like always sort of liked to have seen him play in, you know, the the Galacticos Real Madrid team with the Raouls and um, you know, like Iker Casillas, the obviously goalkeeper, but like them kinds of players, I would have loved to have seen him in that Real Madrid team which was winning the Champions League every year, to be quite honest. Mm, yeah, all the Arsenal Invincibles. Uh you know, they put them in there with Henri over Mars Bergkamp. Um, you know, that would that would have been mouthwatering as well. But I think you could probably you probably could make a claim for nearly every team you put him in, he would he would change change the fortunes around that's how good he was. Um but I'm I'm with you. I, I just that, that front line with Neymar behind is it's mouthwatering, isn't it? Definitely. And one other question. In this day and age, if Pelé was still playing, which coach do you think could make him a better player, if at all possible? I don't think any coach could. Um, under, obviously, you've got to say you know under Pep because he's improved everybody. Um, but I don't. I, there's sometimes where a player is more important than the coach. Um, obviously, 
obviously sometimes teams get it wrong. Well, we've seen this with Ronaldo um, at Manchester United, where he thought he was bigger than the club. Um, definitely thought he had no respect for Ten Hag. And look what Man United's been like since the since Ronaldo's left. They've, they've not lost a game. They've won every game, I think. Um, but pardon me, but with Pele, I think he. I don't think I think he was that good. No coach could have improved him. Um, you know, obviously his his national coaches played a massive part in that. But um, no, I just I don't think any any club could. I don't think any club manager could. I would totally agree with you on that. I mean, you know. It's such a young age. He set all these records, um, and you know he he did that because of his ability. You know he got to where he needed to be because of his ability. So one hundred percent, I I agree with that. Um, but yeah, I mean it's uh, obviously such a sad time that you know one of the greatest sadly passed away. I mean obviously Infantino's came out and said that every football stadium in the world should be named after a Pele, um, which is you know it's it's. It, Considering he's a bit of a divvy, it, it's a it's a nice tribute um, to, to uh, Pele and I his don't particularly, sorry, sorry, I don't particularly agree with that. That every what he said, every, every um, FIFA country should should pick a should pick a stadium name after him. Yeah, I'm I'm not 100 percent behind that because he was a Brazilian legend who played the vast majority of his football in Brazil. So yeah, name a name a name the Santos Stadium afterwards. I'm pretty confident already is, but. I don't understand why why it, why like a country in Sweden, which Pelé's had absolutely nothing to do with, would would name a, a stadium after him. I, I don't understand that um, logic from Gianni Infantino. You know, he's he's loved he's loved all around the world as a great footballer. Do whatever you want in Brazil with him. You know, put put, put his statue on top with the, next to the Jesus one in Rio de Janeiro. Um, put that on there, no problem at all. Um, but I don't get the name in a, a stadium in, in every country around uh, them, to be honest. Yeah, I think what he's meant to try and say with that is, is like, you know, he's trying to do the ultimate tribute, really, hasn't he? I mean, you can't, like, build a stadium in every single country and name it after Pele in some way, shape, or form. I think he's probably got his words misconstrued in regards to it. You know, I, I can see, you know, he's trying to, you know, like, pay tribute to him and stuff. But, uh, yeah, I'm with you on that one. I, you know, he, he's done stuff in Brazil and he's done great stuff, you know, for football. But I can see where you're coming from on that one, and I definitely. Um, so we'll, we'll leave that podcast um, there and we'll finish on our usual baller and ball ache, first of, you know, uh, 2023. Um, if you had a chance to think of any baller and ball ache, and yeah, yeah, I am. Um... Baller is uh, Michael Smith um, in the darts, um, obviously winning his first world championship. Um, I think the, the shackles have been let off him now because he won the Grand Slam uh, early, earlier last year, earlier last year, late last year. Um, and I think that's just kind of given the confidence because everyone knew that Michael Smith was a world champion in weight. It was just a matter of when. It probably took a little bit longer than he thought, but you know he's only thirty-two. He's still got a hell of a long time in this sport and in, in that particular sport. And he also got a nine data. I mean, and kudos to Michael Van Gerwen as well, who, who who missed the double twelve for a nine data in the same leg. Um, you know, it was it was a wonderful game of darts between probably the two best players in the world now. No controversies, you know, no no idiotic, you know, things which is quite you know ironic because. That would be my ball eight of the week. Um, so we'll come back to that. But, you know, it was just a good, honest game of darts and, and well done to Michael Smith. And it's good to see, you know, after a, a few years now, um, an Englishman winning 
I think it's the first one since Rob Cross. Um, obviously, because Peter Wright's won it a couple of times, Van Gerwen's won it, and Gerwen Price won it. So it's good to see an Englishman winning it again. Yeah, speaking of Gerwen Price, anyway, um, what was what was the crap with the headphones? Like, cause I didn't see the what was going on. Do, with that, do but... you want Do you want me just to do my ball ache now? I assume it's Gerwen Price because it's Gerwen Price, <laughs> um, which is just. I mean, the bother is because Gerwen Price um, gives it to the crowd, and he does. Um, he gives it to players, which is you know he's he's a, he's a former rugby, I think it was a rugby league player. Um, it just like to dish it out, which which is fair enough. But if you dish it out, then you've got to learn to take it. And the problem is now, a lot of the crowd, because they know that he reacts now, the the booing and um, yeah, and some of it is you know you should never be shouting miss or whatever at a player when he's trying to hit a double, but to come on wearing them headphones, um, it's just ask it's just asking for trouble, isn't it? You know, it's 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 just putting unnecessary pressure back on German Price you know if I, I personally think if German Price was he was losing that game well anyway you know he was getting consistently outplayed by Gabriel Clemens who had a great tournament um, and then he comes on doing that loses the set anyway um, so they made absolutely no difference whatsoever and then come back on with these little lead defenders now I know a couple of players use them anyway so why not just wear them don't make a spectre of yourself coming on with these big ear defenders on, ear muffs on, um, because the crowd are just going to be even more louder at you. You know what I mean? So it was just bizarre. And to be honest, I think I think German Price now is there to be shot out. And he's been one of the best players in the world for the last two or three years. And bearing in mind, he's coming to the sport late because it's not his, you know, it's not his forty. You know, darts was his second career. Um, he's done very, very well for himself. But I think now a lot of crowds, apart from obviously where they're playing the Premier League and Wheels or whatever, but a lot of crowds now after seeing what's happened in the World Championships are just going to put him out of the building and he's going to have to learn, he's going to have to adapt and probably change the way he plays a little bit. Yeah, um, I mean, obviously I don't know much about darts, followed it quite loosely apart from obviously the final and stuff, but... Um, I thought like some of the memes are absolutely hilarious in regards yeah, yeah. to you know the headphones and stuff. But yeah, he, he seems a bit you know a bit cocky, a bit brash. Believes his own hype a lot, and um, ton of which is fine, which is fine. Yeah. But then back it up, you know what I mean? <clears throat> um, you know Michael Van Gerwen gets a lot of stick, but Michael Van Gerwen's consistently in finals of every tournament. You know he's one of the best players ever to throw a dart, but he he overcomes that. He overcomes the booing, and he never makes. You know, he, he never makes an issue out of it. You know, if he loses a game, he's like, fair enough, you know, I lost but a better player. We'll go and press nearly every time he loses. Is either having to pop the crowd or having to pop the opposition player. Um, I think he needs to close his Instagram account down as well, to be totally honest with you. See, he's never going to play there again. <laughs> right, fair enough, don't play there again, but he's never going to be in the top 16. He's never going to play in the big tournaments because the World Championships is where you get your money for the, for the following year. It's where your money's earned. Yeah, definitely. I, I saw that as well. I thought it was um quite amusing, like to be honest. Um, my baller was actually again going to be you know Michael Smith, you know Destiny fulfilled. I mean, he did well last last year, um, but obviously achieved that this time round and and you know win the world championship, absolutely fantastic. So I'm gonna have to pick one off the whim, um, which is kind of going to be a baller and baller from the same football match. So, um, baller, Yuan Visser for Brentford, you know. 
a really scored a hat trick. Yeah, two of them were, were disallowed, but had the game of his life. And you know, on the on the backside of that, ball eight was Canate, who had an absolute nightmare for, for Liverpool. <laughs> yeah, he didn't have a great game. <laughs> nah, not at all. But you know. Uh, Ultimately, coming off the back of that, the real baller for that is Thomas Frank. I mean, you know, he lined his team up brilliantly and they absolutely smashed Liverpool, if I'm being honest with you. Yeah, yeah. And I'll tell you one thing about Thomas Frank as well. When um, I think it was Dean Smith, who was at Brentford and started this whole, you know, uh, buy low, sell high stuff. When Thomas Frank went in, because obviously I think he was the assistant um, or the head coach or whatever, um, he didn't start particularly well at Brentford. And it could have been a case where they could have pulled the pulled the plug on him quite early because obviously it was his first big job. And look at look at them now. That that's where that's where patience gets you sometimes. You know, I, I see this all the time about like you know some managers need a little bit of time. You know, look at Arteta at Arsenal, who you know it, I remember what, about two or three years ago. Now there's probably every fan in in uh, the Emirates wanting Arteta out. You know, top of the league, probably going to win the win the title in that city or do pull it back. And I think the same probably should be said with Graham Potter where yes they've only won one in eight or whatever it is but he's he's new he hasn't had a transfer window give him some time and look what Brentford have done with Frank you know they're in the top on the top six top seven or something in the in the league and they're there on merit I mean they could easily qualify for Europe um and and, and the model that they've got is just is amazing. I, 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 that, that's the future. You know, we, we see it all the time with, with Brentford, with Brighton. You know, you look what something they're trying to do. That is the future of, of, of this game for me. And it's so refreshing to see. Um, and fair play to Frank. I, I do agree with you there. He's been absolutely fantastic. And my worry would be is if a big club was to come in for him and he hasn't finished the project at Brentford, um, you know, you can kind of see with Potter, he'd probably finished the project or was very close to finishing whereas I think the sky's the limit with Frank at the minute at, at Brentford and I would be very very careful if I was him if say a Tottenham came calling or an Everton came calling you know I would be very very uh, aware of my surroundings at Brentford if you know what I mean by that yeah I mean I honestly honestly think and I'm going to put this out there I think he might be the next Tottenham manager I honestly feel like they might look at him project he's done probably fits what they're looking for because they tend to do this thing where they'll get a big manager then they'll go for someone who's done all right in the premier league and then they'll they'll go for another big manager who hasn't been in the premier league for a while or hasn't been in the premier league as a whole look at nuno the they took on nuno who did a great job for wolves granted he doesn't didn't do a great job for tottenham um and then they went to conte they might look at that same project and go well frank's done a great job for brentford Let's get him in for us, but Tottenham will need to back him in that instance. Yeah, yeah, and and my my problem with that would be would Tottenham give him time? Would Tottenham give him two or three years, which is probably what it needs? Um, you know, with to be honest, had Newcastle not had the season that we're having, and the could the could follow. I don't think they will, but the could follow where Frank would be my manager of the year for 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 the Premier League, and I know everyone said well, everyone could say well, you know, Arsenal won the title for the first time. Yeah, but they've got a great side. You know, Brentford, you know, they've got a team who majority of them players were playing championship football. You know, little Ivan Tony, Ivan Tony got loaned, uh, so he got sold to a League One side because Newcastle didn't think he was good enough to play in the Premier League. I mean, he's laughing at them now, isn't he? You know what I mean? He's he's scoring goals for fun. Um, you know, so it's it's good to see it. It's obviously um, a platform for you know teams in the championship like like Sunderland 
um, who are doing that model to see it where it's successful. And, and I'm, I'm all for that, man, to be honest. Yeah, and um, and uh, just another little minor mention about Brentford, just off the the back of uh, back of that, um, they do kind of follow the Brighton model. You're completely right, and they have just recently signed a forward uh, by the name of uh, Kevin Sheard, which I thought was quite an interesting name. I just totally thought I'd put that out there, but it might keep them from mm. signing Ross Stewart from us. But uh, yeah. yeah, hopefully, <laughs> we just that... need to sign somebody called Lamp to play front with them, don't they? Yeah, yeah Lamp and Sheard, that would be funny. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean Lamp, Lamp Pard, Michael out of retirement help them out who knows uh, but yeah I mean uh, I don't think he's long for this uh, I've sit long for this world that's not very that's not very nice there, but I don't think he's long um, in the Premier League um, to be honest I mean they, they look very very poor at the minute and the confidence you see the confidence just draining out of them against Brighton and to be honest up until Brighton scored the first goal Everton were probably the better side but then as soon as Brighton scored um, and especially when they got the second goal Everton just capitulated, and, and that reminds me a lot of a Sunderland side under uh, the Poirier when when we were going, we went down. Um, in fact, when we did, we stayed up, didn't we? But it reminds us a lot of Gustavo Poirier's end at Sunderland, where we just just looked absolutely crestfallen and we looked rotten. Yeah. Um, so we'll see what happens there, but it, it doesn't look good for them, does it? No, nah, they're completely deflated. I think um, they're, they're probably going to have to look somewhere else, to be quite honest. I thought personally would have went last night. Um, but obviously, we recorded this podcast on a Thursday and they played Wednesday. I thought he would have been gone last night or early this morning. I think, but... I think he'll get the FA Cup. I think he'll get tomorrow night. Uh, they're playing Manchester United tomorrow night. I think they're going to get beat anyway, but I think he will get that. To say, look, like this is your last chance. Hey, put on a show because we're on the telly, you know, put on a show. Even if they lose, but put on a show. Don't, you know, lie down and get your bellies tickled. Um, but as soon as there's a, a couple of weeks gap, I mean, to be honest, I'm surprised I never got rid of him in, in the World Cup break. Thought he was very lucky to keep his job then. Um, it's just not worked, has it? It just hasn't worked um, for Everton. And you've got to be careful now, Everton. Where are you going to go? Who's the next man for Everton? And is it a poison chalice? Because it's, it just seems like a club that's destined for championship and I cannot see a way for them getting back up, to be honest. Or they'll lose, they will lose an absolute boatload of footballers there. I mean, like the likes of Jordan Pickford's not going to play for Everton in the championship. We saw that when he was at Sunderland. You know, he, he, he got out as soon as he could because he needed to, you know, stay in the Premier League to, you know, play for England. Um, and England's number one goalkeeper is not going to play for a side in the championship. So there's one gone straight away. I would probably say there's 16, 17 players in that club that would leave straight away. I would agree with you as well. I don't think in that starting eleven there's any players who would want to remain in the the, the championship should they go down. Um, but you know, with Everton, that remains to be seen how they get on. I'm sure over the next few weeks we'll probably um, discuss this in more detail. Probably do a little bit of a you know a review of how the Premier League's going as we normally seem to do. Um, but what we'll do is we'll we'll, we'll leave it at. Uh, that obviously you know this was a, a massive tribute podcast to the you know the legend that is Pelly and his career um really you know m- massive missing football now bless him um obviously condolences with his family as well and i just want to thank you as well and for for jumping on tonight especially when you're uh you're under the weather as well mate. yeah no worries at all um yeah no. uh you know rest in peace Pelly. i think that's just the, the words we can say isn't it absolutely yeah and this podcast is brought to you by uh, sports social podcast network you can find us every friday dropping a new podcast um thanks so much for listening guys and good 
night or good mornings to when you're doing this now. Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.